You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick. But they could potentially use that as an Today, Junior! Ammunition. Thank you. And Matty Rose. Okay, but also, I want to clarify, I was quite frazzled. On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. Downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. The franchise, Mr. Eric Francis, will join us. Give us the latest on Jacob Markstrom's hand because he was making an incredible save in warm-up. Well, not warm-up, practice yesterday, excuse me. Would have been worse than warm-up. But he did it uh, in practice yesterday. That would have been a dusty nickel situation. That would have been a dusty nickel situation. But, uh, yeah, we don't know the extent of the injury to Jacob Markstrom. We'll get the latest uh, from Mr. Eric Francis. And we'll talk to our man, Charles Davis, NFL on CBS at the top of the hour. Luke Gazdick in a minute. But first, Mm. it's day two of our Wild Rose 12 Days of Christmas, uh, where we open um, a virtual on-air advent calendar. And you get a chance to win a prize today at 960-960 on the text line. Uh, Our topic today, very mature. Mm. Don't know if you guys uh, saw the Andre Vasilevsky postgame yesterday. But this is going, quote, viral, as the kids say. Mm. Viral. Somebody in that room quote, might have a viral infection. <laughs> they, they might. Okay. So okay, if you missed that's... Andre Vasilevsky's uh, post game, we're going to play about a 30-second clip. Uh, we're going to go very mature this morning on the big show. And please save your, you guys are way too juvenile text. We're well aware. Yes. Hit it, GVP. Talk to your mind in the last 48 hours from the end of the game on Saturday to the start of this one. Um... Yeah, I mean, obviously it wasn't great feeling uh, last game, but um... uh, what was the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, mindset. Yeah, so uh, yeah, just um... <laughs> yeah. So there was a uh... <laughs> a leak. Oof. Yeah, uh, uh, duck loose. There was somebody. There was somebody in the. There was somebody in that in that scrum who let a gurgler go. Gurgler. <laughs> so um, we're asking you nine sixty nine sixty name and location. Uh, when was it time that you passed gas inappropriately? Nine sixty nine sixty name and location. Very mature today. Very mature. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we want to hear your stories, and we'll do it at 8.30. Let's have some fun today. It's going to be a nice, warm day in Calgary. I get it. It's not the most mature text topic today, but in honor of the Andre Vasilevsky post-game scrum last night, when was the last time um, <laughs> when's the last time you had a, a fanny fog oh, I don't like that, that was uh, inappropriate? <laughs> I hate that word, Fanny. I hate it. Yeah. Fanny Fog. 960, 960, name and location. Uh, joining us. Yeah. Stop. 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 No. 960, 960. Don't stop. Name and location. Um, Has Luke heard this? Uh, I think me might have. Uh, Luke Gazdick, Mitzoff Podcast, NHL on Sportsnet, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Luke, good morning. How are you? I'm good, guys. How's it going? Good. Did you hear the uh, Andre Vasilevsky post game last night? I just watched it on Twitter, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're super mature on this show, so we're asking our listeners to win a prize, Luke. You know, Good when's prize. the last time they, uh, you know, the last time they let something slip? Um, 
in uh, in a very awkward situation. So we want to hear story time at 960-960, name and location. Has that ever happened in a super serious pregame, you know, speech? And then one of your teammates just squeezes one out. Has that ever happened to you? Has that ever happened to, on the ice? Like, do you have any stories? It would, uh, yeah, it would happen every now and then in uh, video meetings. Like, we'd be in the video room with the whole team and the coaches. And, yeah. I mean, there's 30 guys, right? And someone just wouldn't be able to hold it in or whatever. And it's just funny. No matter how old you get, oh, yeah. stuff's always funny. It absolutely is. Um, John Hines uh, as the Minnesota Wild. They're on a heater right now uh, since the coaching change, since they said goodbye to Dean Nevison. Uh, you've had a chance to play with John Hines. Um, apparently, the guy runs a tough practice. Uh, can, can you share some story time, what it was like uh, to, to you know, just be there for Pracky with that, that guy behind the bench? Yeah, there was no laughing in John Hines' video. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that. Uh, I've said this before since he's been hired. In 11 years pro, uh, I had never practiced so hard than a John Hines practice. Um, He's incredibly, I'd say, demanding um, in a a good way most of the time about how he wants and expects things done. Uh, I remember a particular instance, maybe like a month into the season, we had not been playing that well in Jersey and we're about 20 minutes into our practice, probably three or four solid drills in now, but he didn't like the state of practice, blew it down, brought us in, blew a gasket, asked us if we were ready to go, and then we started practice from the top. And it was just an example of someone who did not like the way things were going and wanted it done a certain way. Um, he's not afraid to hold guys accountable and, you know, even call guys out specifically, whether it's in game or in, in a video session. Um, to be honest, he was a pretty scary and intimidating guy for me. Um, he, I didn't have much of like a personal relationship with him at all. He kind of kept his distance from the team, um, but he's definitely getting the results right now with those guys. How much of that, um, how long can you kind of work with a coach in that type of an environment? Because obviously the results here are great, but I'm sure that at a certain point it starts to wear on a person. Yeah, and I think, listen, I don't want to go too hard on Heinze, but you, you've seen that in his last two stops, right? That act kind of wears thin after, I mean, it took a couple of years in Jersey and in Nashville. Um, but I, I'm, I'm you know, seeing the results early and everybody else is in Minnesota, it's almost, if anything, but fear or scare tactics, you'll, you'll get a response out of guys early um, when you kind of dictate and motivate that way. Um, Especially with the new coach bump, I think it's not a new or uncommon thing to see teams playing really well when a new coach gets hired. Um, To me, it was always like a fresh, like clean start. It's a blank slate for all these guys. And I think, you know, when a guy like Dean Evison's there for as long as he was, uh, guys can start to get complacent. Sure. I think that's the truth. Like, right? Like, if you're if you're on the penalty kill with Dean, and you know that as soon as you your team takes a penalty, like you're jumping over the boards, or you're the second or third unit out for the PK, say, um, a new guy's going to come in and he he sees it completely differently than every other coach or the coach that's been there before. So everyone kind of has to re-earn that trust with the new coach. And that's why I think you'll see a lot of um, teams play really well and get that kind of new bump is because you're seeing pretty much the best from your players really early. But I will agree with you that, yeah, it does wear thin after a while. And they will hit a tough stretch eventually in the season. And Mm -hmm. I think that's when it's really hard. If you start losing a couple games in a row and you have a type of coach 
with Heinze where there's a lot more yelling and screaming than um, than maybe some other guys. That that can really wear on you. Yeah, I, I was thinking more like a few years down the road type of thing because you know you got to imagine that for at least this year the guys are going to be bought in. They got the change and the results have been notable to say the least. Now, how long do you expect the coaches' bump to last here? Like, they've allowed three goals over the last three games. That's a, a pretty unsustainable clip. Yeah, but I think they'll be all right for this year. I think this is actually a pretty good hire by Bill Guerin. To be honest, I didn't love the switch at the beginning. Uh, I was a big Dean Evison guy. I know guys that have played for him, uh, including a couple guys in Minnesota, and he's a very well-liked and respected coach, more of a player's coach, even though he does kind of some funny stuff in games with his in very intense looks and face. He was more of a player's coach than, than Hines was, but Bill Guerin has this relationship with John Hines from the Pittsburgh organization. When Billy was there with Pitt, um, John was the coach in Wilkes-Barre. So there's the connection there. And I don't know. I just feel like if you, you get a, you only get a couple chances in the NHL, right? At, at least for a player you do, right? If I was with two different teams, I was with two different teams in the NHL. And, um, you know, that would, that was my last stop after that. I, I didn't get another shot after that. And I just never understood why coaches were exempt from, you know, being with multiple teams, not having so much success The furthest John made it. And I think eight years as a coach for those, both those organizations was uh, a first round loss. Um, but for this year, at least he'll get those guys going in the right direction. And I think he's a great short term option. Uh, but like you said, I completely agree with you. This is a thing where a couple of years down the line, to me, Heinze was a guy that uh, his voice just kind of runs stale after a certain amount of time. One of the things that uh, I, I kind of wonder about is Dean Evison and where he's going to pop up next, because like you mentioned, this is a guy who's well-respected and, and well-liked. Can you just tell us a little bit about maybe what you've heard about him in your uh, talking to teammates and, and former guys? Yeah, guys love this guy. And one of my uh, best friends, his name is Mike Leambis, longtime pro player. He had a wedding, he, uh, wedding in Winnipeg this summer. And Dean was actually there. And so that just shows almost the relationship, too, where hmm. you have a former coach of yours at, at your wedding. Uh, I've, I've never seen that before. In all the hockey weddings that I've been to, I, I have never seen a coach there or even a former. Um, but from the guys that I've talked to, especially even dating back to his time in Milwaukee when he was in the Nashville organization, just a player's coach. Like so many guys have talked about how much he meant to them in their development and um, bringing them along, letting guys play, letting guys do their thing, but also being very hard on them and counting, holding them accountable. So a player's coach in, in the sense of it, but still runs a really tight and hard ship. Uh, I expect he'll pop up somewhere. I, I don't know where that is. I don't know what senators are doing, uh, holding on to DJ this long. They must uh, see something a, a lot of other people don't. But I, I have no doubt that Dean will coach again in the NHL just because I think he's so valuable. And, uh, and like I said, almost every guy that I've talked to that knows or uh, played for Dean uh, loves him. And I should add that I did have a great conversation with him at the wedding, and he's a fantastic human being. Uh, Luke Gazdick from the Mitsoff Podcast, analyst for Sportsnet, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Uh, Jacob Markstrom got hurt in practice yesterday trying to make a remarkable save. Um, if you're his teammate, uh, like how, how do you take that? You're like, okay, you've been our best player uh, all season, and I appreciate 
uh, your intensity and try to make an incredible save with your bare hand underneath your blocker. But at the same time, uh, Marky, we kind of need you net because we need to win some games here. Is that just one of the things? Because he's such an intense guy. He's such a pro that just these things happen in practice. And in the words of uh, Allen Iverson, we're talking about practice here, Luke. I know. And honestly, most, I'll say this, most goalies that I had through my career, no matter what, what stop it was in what league, I don't want to say they didn't try in practice, but I would say I wish they tried harder. Uh, mm. it, was, it was more so the backup goalies and the ones that weren't getting as many games that were kind of giving it, giving it all they had. I remember, I mean, Jack Campbell is a great example of a guy who does that every single practice plays it like a game, like nonstop competitor. But for a guy like Mark, he, listen, I like, I love hearing that his competitive juices are flowing. He doesn't want to let in one goal in practice, but I would say for the majority of guys that I had, we were begging them to at least try for shots in practice. Sometimes they just didn't, you know, exactly didn't want to get hurt. Didn't want to be pushing it on a Tuesday. If we didn't play till Friday, um, so to kind of hear that about Marky, that I, he's, he's laying out for shots and stuff like that is pretty cool. I, I wish more goalies were like that, to be honest. Tough he got hurt, but I guess that's just part of it. What do you expect to see moving forward as far as how would team adjust to losing a starting goalie? Well, I think for them, it's an exciting prospect of having is Dustin Wolf's coming up, I, I, I assume. Um, but Vladar has been good over the last little bit. It does take a bit of wind out of your sails, to be honest. I think he was getting to the point. I don't want to say getting to the point, because I think he's always been like that. But I, I look at guys like Hellebuck and, and Vasilevsky last night, guys that are your, like your true workhorse, kind of number one, big-time goalie, makes big-time saves. And when you're in the dressing room going into a game, and you just look, you look over and you see him sitting there, and you know that... If you have a good game tonight, you're probably going to win the game, which isn't the case always. You look at the team three hours north of you in Edmonton, and it's like you could play a fantastic game, and there were a number of opportunities this year where the goaltending just didn't follow suit. But for I feel like a guy like Markstrom is that type of guy, where if you're sitting in the dressing room, you're like, boys, if we go out there, have a good game, score three or four goals, we're probably going to win tonight. And that's a really good feeling. And I, I didn't have that a lot in my career. You know who was like that for me? You guys will love this. was Brent Cron. My first year in Texas, yeah. when he was hurt, you know, a decent amount that year, but mm. he was so good for us. And I was just a rookie at this time. And I just remember sitting around and if Croner was starting and Croner was in the zone, we were not losing. And I just think that's such a valuable commodity to have on a team. It lets everyone just play a little bit, a couple inches taller, a couple pounds heavier, uh, with a little more confidence. It's, it's a great thing to have. How could you tell that Kron was in the zone? Oh, man, he just got locked in. I, I, you know what? Before the game, you didn't really see it because he was, he was still like he is now. You're like you off the ice if you guys see him or know him. He's got a smile on his face always. He didn't take himself too seriously. Um, we called him the Cobra. We had this little uh, thing we would do when we read. <laughs> Get out of here. No, you didn't. Oh, yeah, his name was Cobes. Yeah, next time he's on, ask him about the Cobra. We did the double pad tap and the little before every game. <laughs> yes! <laughs> like from dodgeball? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh <laughs> I love this so much. This is incredible. I don't even know where to go and from like here. We, he's, okay, so just a little little context here, uh, Luke. 
He's our big show Flames analyst, so he's in studio after every Flames game the next day for a full hour. So we can't wait to play this for him now. I don't know if I spilled too much, but honestly, like, he was our guy, man. He was our guy, and he was our starting goalie for the majority of that year where we made the Calder Cup final. We lost in six games to Hershey. Um, but that year, yeah, I'll tell you, I don't, I just, he didn't take himself too seriously. Like I said, before games, we were laughing every time, like we did that before a game, but then he'd go out and have 45, 47 saves. And once he just got locked in, it was like this, nothing's going by this guy. Hmm. Wonder where it went so wrong. Uh, I wanted to ask you about, uh, milestone games for other players. Uh, Victor Hedman skated in his 1000th career game yesterday. Going into the game, the Bolts had lost like three or four in a row. They weren't playing good hockey. They'd gotten blown out by the Stars on Saturday. They show up and they shut out the Stars 4 nothing in this game. What's it like playing in like a, a significant game, a milestone game for a teammate? Because usually there's a little bit of pomp and circumstance before, which I always wonder how that affects the players. But in game, I'm sure it's something that you're kind of thinking about too. Yeah, and you know what? I played in a couple good ones, not a ton, nothing crazy like a Victor Hedman thousand games, but um, I, I remember having Nick Schultz's thousandth and playing in, you know, Ryan Smith's last ever NHL game, stuff like that. And I think everyone just kind of steps up a little bit more. I also think that they tend to play like a tribute video style thing, and they did last night where you'll see they have former teammates like Pat Maroon and Ryan McDonough and stuff are in there with these messages and. Man, that just radiates through a team. Like when all the guys are standing on the bench and, and you see stuff like that with like whether it's former teammates and legends come on and, and offer up their congratulations. It, like that's it's pretty heartwarming. And I think being at home, especially like last night in Tampa, is just such a boost for guys. And, you know, most teammates like that that have been around for that long are so well-liked and respected that I think everybody just – plays with a little extra and really wants it to happen that night because a there's a lot of money on the board i'll tell you that and b you just you you want to be leaving that feeling with a good taste in your mouth especially for the player that's getting to celebrate it um luke before i let you go um wanted to ask you how much faith do you have in the vancouver canucks that they can keep up the pace that they had earlier on in the season because obviously we saw them here on saturday night to make the zadorov deal but also they've kind of hit the skids a little bit here lately, especially playing the upper echelon of the National Hockey League. Are the Vancouver Canucks a slam dunk to make the playoffs, in your opinion? I think there's going to be some regression, but I do believe that they'll be a playoff team by, by the end of this thing. They're just, they're playing, their guys, their top guys are playing too good. Uh, they're getting the goaltending from Demco, which is probably the biggest part. I mean, 90% of today's NHL is having a goaltender. That's what I think I'm starting to notice here. And um, listen, Rick Talk has kind of built and instilled this culture of accountability there, and everyone's kind of buying in. And I think a true mark for them is, yeah, they go out and play Vegas and probably play. I was in the studio that night. It's probably the worst game I've seen them play. Just got dominated from start to finish. And I think that was a big measuring stick test loss for them. But I remember saying on the desk Friday, I said, this game on Saturday in Calgary tells me a lot about the Canucks. Are they going to come out here and have the same effort? Are they going to close the page and, and, uh, and try and do something new and, that's a huge win for them in Calgary on Saturday, coming off a loss against Vegas. Um, Calgary put up a big push in the third, as you guys know, 23-something shots or whatever it was. But 
they held on. They have an unbelievable Vezina type calendar, uh, caliber goaltender. And I really do think there may be a little regression, but there's no doubt in my mind that there'll be a playoff team by the end of this 82-game season. Uh, Luke, before I let you go, we love your uh, work on Sportsnet, but you also have a podcast, the Mitzoff Podcast. You're interviewing a Calgary Flame coming up? I am. Tomorrow afternoon, I got my old Albany Devils and New Jersey Devils teammate Blake Coleman uh, coming on. So I don't know how much Colsey does you know, in terms of media or how much you guys know about him, but he's a great, great dude. And uh, I'm sure we're going to have a great combo. So uh, make sure you guys keep an eye out for that in the next week or so. I'll release some clips and it'll be a great interview. He's one of those leadership guys that doesn't necessarily wear a letter. Hey, hundred percent. It's by example. You just see the way he plays. He's like the consummate professional. And for young guys like Connor Zari and these guys coming up from the Wranglers, they just take a look at Blake and what he does, especially off the ice every day in preparation and being a good pro. Uh, he, he's done it the hard way, and he does it the right way. Luke Gazdick uh, will check out the Mid-South podcast. You see him on Sportsnet doing uh, NHL stuff. Luke, terrific stuff. And uh, we can't thank you enough for the Brent Cron stories, especially the nickname <laughs> The Cobra. We love it. Thanks for this. Uh, I hope I'm not in trouble. No, you're not in trouble at all. It's awesome. You'll be good. Great stuff, Uh, pal. Anytime, guys. Great great talking to you. There he goes. Luke Gazdick on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. There's only one Cobra, and that's Dylan Brooks, but I guess there's there's two now. I think another one's entered the ring. Yeah. It's a great nickname. Brent Cron, the Cobra. I think you can find snake fights on YouTube. Eh? Yeah. Oh, no, don't do that. Mongoose versus Cobra. There's a fight. Yeah, that's that's like the Mongoose biggest... win. Yeah. Okay, but here's the thing. Forget can I... bird and magic. Mongoose versus uh, Cobra. Yeah, that's a, that's rivalry. It's, it's a rivalry. What's the line at? Mongoose or, or like minus a, five. Or like a honey badger minus just goes in there what? and just eats everything, doesn't care. <laughs> minus <laughs> five bites. Yeah. <laughs> Then a honey badger. Just I was kind of looking for like a money line, but I didn't oh, need a spread. Plus two thirty. Um, <laughs> oh, that's value. Sign me up. Uh, the franchise, Eric Francis, basically next. giving away money. Uh, the, the franchise is next. Uh, give us the latest on Jacob Markstrom's hand, and we're also giving away day two of our um, twelve days of Christmas, courtesy of our good friends at Wild Rose Brewery, um, in honor of the Andre Vasilevsky postgame scrum last night. Uh, when was the last time you passed gas inappropriately? 960, 960, name and location. Some of these stories are already awesome. Mine was at the and gym. We'll, we'll save it for 830. I know, that's a tease. Yeah, save <laughs> it for 830 because we're super mature on the big show. The franchise next, Charles Davis at 8 o'clock. Big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. At the top of the hour, our man, Charles Davis, NFL on CBS break down what we saw last night uh, in the Monday Nighter between the Jags and the Bengals. Trevor Lawrence goes out with an ankle injury. Tyler Boyd throws maybe the best interception you've ever seen. And uh, just a lot of quarterback injuries this season. Yeah, ESPN threw it up last night on the broadcast. Uh, it was at least 10 starters out. Rodgers, Cousins, Burrow. That's seasoned. I mean, you've got uh, like even throughout uh, Daniel Jones, yeah, Kenny he... Pickett, Deshaun Watson, every other Browns quarterback that's not Joe Flacco. Yep. Yeah. It's too bad for Deshaun Watson. Um, it's a shame. It's a damn shame. Did you see the uh, Daniel Jones? You one of my Daniel yeah, Jones. Daniel yeah, Jones. I mentioned Daniel Jones. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, that's the New York guys. Both of them. Kirk hurt. Cousins. I mean, Fields uh, missed time. Like Baker Mayfield got hurt. Yeah, in these the guys game. that have missed time throughout this Derek year. Derek Carr's well. hurt. Yeah, he's probably not going to play this week. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt this season. Yep, sure did. Jimmy G. Just the list goes on and on. Um, we're trying to, we're trying to get a hold of Eric Francis. I don't know what's going on. Franchise. Usually, Where what, is he? What the hell, franchise? Spill the beans, bro. Yeah. Like we we we're waiting for a Jacob Sleuthin? update. Sleuthin? at seven thirty. Sleuthin. Um, at eight thirty, we're giving away uh, day two of our twelve days of Christmas. Curtis, you're a good friends at Wild Rose Brewery. Uh, we're asking you in honor of the um, Andre Vasilevsky uh, scrum. Uh, why don't we play it one more time, GVP, for our seven of our listeners who didn't catch it? <laughs> it's very important. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. Your mind in the last forty eight hours from the end of the game on Saturday to the start of this one. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it wasn't great feeling, uh, last game, but, um, <laughs> uh, what was the question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, uh, mindset, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it just, um, yeah, uh, in honor of that, uh, mouse on a motorcycle, <laughs> Mouse on uh, 960, 960, name and location. Uh, when was the last time you passed gas inappropriately? Mouse on a motorcycle. 960, 960, oh, is, is name that, and uh, location. Is that Again, the franchise. We're, we're, we're getting super uh, matured this morning. No. Let's have some fun at 830 and uh, play your, your time where you actually let one kind of slip uh, when maybe you shouldn't have. Um, Eric Francis so uh, covers the Flames for Sportsnet. The franchise joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sportswear guest hotline. You all right? You okay? I'm all right, boys. I got to be honest with you. Slept in? Got a new hot? No. Oh. No, just got a new hot tub. Yeah. And uh, at, uh, at Paradise Bay there, they uh, mm. they do nice work over there. Uh-huh. And uh, I was in there lounging, and I didn't have a care in the world, and I just realized, oh my God, I'm supposed to be on the air. So sorry, I'm a little, I'm pretty relaxed though. I'm yeah, yeah, that. I bet. Say that. Good. Yeah. Woo. Got the bubbles rocking. Nice flex. How many? Se- what kind of a seater is it? How many people can you seat in that thing? I, I, I went the fox. I went with the fox. It's a three seater. The, the commander's chair, I call it. It's the main chair. He's got, you got jets all the way up and down each leg, and all. Oh God, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Okay, so hmm. it's a three seater. So you, me, and Matt Rose. That's well. When I bought it, that's what I had in mind. Oh, right? Okay. Yeah, okay. So perfect. Right yeah, yeah, we'll be yeah, over later. Let's do it every Tuesday at seven thirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah let's do good. it. We'll do the interview from the hot tub. <laughs> yeah, although don't, shocker, don't I'm not a big. Trunks. Yep, I'm not a big fan of hot tubs. I'm just oh, not... I know you're you're a germo. You're you you don't germo. You don't, yeah. you don't like the germo. <laughs> yeah, I don't want. Germophobe. I don't want to hit. I don't want to sit in hot filth. I just don't want to do that. I know there's people out there that, that just don't uh, quite get on board with the hot tub thing. I'm uh, I'm not one of them. Okay, I, I absolutely. People soup is uh, delicious. So okay, sign yeah. me up. Awesome. Mm. Um, is it <laughs> was yesterday's injury to Jacob Markstrom the epitome of Jacob Markstrom that even in practice he doesn't want anything to get by him. <laughs> yeah, I was. A, it was a hell of a save. I gotta tell you, I wish I had my phone out. <laughs> like, it, you know, and so people could kind of picture it. it was like a, for lack of, it was a two-on-one kind of drill, and you know, the guy on coming down on the left side had an open net, and and just rifled it into what looked like the open open net, 
And then uh, Markstrom reached back with his right hand, like his blocker side, and opened it. You know what I mean? So he didn't block it with his blocker. He blocked it with his hand and uh, to try and, you know, desperately reach back and grab it. Like I said, it was an amazing save. Everyone, everyone on the ice, whoa! And then immediately, you know, Chris Tanev is waving over to the medical staff and you could see blood pouring out of his hand. And it wasn't good. It wasn't good. I, I would be stunned if uh, Dustin Wolf isn't recalled in, in a matter of hours here. Uh, because even, even if it's just a superficial wound, you know, like a, a cut yeah. uh, that required some stitching, it's still uh, problematic to hold your, you know, hold your stick in that hand for fear of opening it up and getting infected and all that. So, hey, th- this club wants to take a look at Dustin Wolf as much as they can anyway. So I think I don't think they have a problem with it, and I don't think that the organization should be too worried about it. And I, that's not to be a, a slap in the face of of Jacob Markstrom because I think he's been one of their more consistent players. But but I, you know, I think they have full faith in Vladar. And uh, and I know they're excited to see Wolf, so I'm I don't see this as a as a major stumbling block. Yeah, and and I think that's one of the biggest takeaways is is where are the Flames at with their goaltending depth here? Obviously, they're they're not too worried about what's going to go down on the AHL. That's why they got Oscar Dansk. But for the big club, uh, an opportunity to see more Dustin Wolf and maybe give Dan Vladar a little bit of runway that he hasn't necessarily had in his time with the Flames either. I saw last night uh, a stat on Dan Vladar. I think he is. Uh, I'll, I'll put it up on the broadcast tonight, but he's, he's either eight and one or nine and one in his 10 starts at home. Uh, and when you think about it, the backup rarely gets a start at home. I mean, that's not his gig, right? His gig is to go and play back to backs in hostile environments, um, which makes your job that much harder. But you know, when he is at home, it's eight or nine and one, which is a pretty, uh, pretty great record. So, and I know he feeds off the crowd and uh, that last game when he stole the two points against the Vegas Golden Knights, one of the first things he said after the game and several players said, that's the old sea of red that I remember. And so it's, you know, I think what a lot of them were kind of saying is I haven't, we haven't seen that in a while where the people were that into it. And I mean, quite frankly, I'm not sure people had that, that much to cheer for over the last year and a half. So maybe that's what it is, but, the, the last couple games at the Dome uh, that they won up until the Saturday game, that that joint is rocking. And so I think that helps a guy like the Dark because he's, he's an emotional goalie. What have you made of the atmosphere around the building these last couple games? It's looked really good. Well, it's, it, you know, like I said, it's people are just rocking out. And, you know, the next game they've got, what, three more, four more here on this six-game Five game row. I, I lose track, boys. It's Three more on the six already. Three more, Three on, more the on the six. And you know you got a Saturday in there this Saturday at two o'clock with Jersey in town. Then the following week you got another another Saturday night game, which is uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Which that you know that's going to be awesome too. So yeah, it's you know I I think early on when they lost six in a row, I, you know I think there were people saying, my God, it's going to be tough to sell tickets this year mm. and sure if they would have continued to lose i guess it would have been um I, I think it's a little easier now that the team is really playing some inspired hockey and uh you know i've said this several times over the last couple of weeks like i give these guys a ton of credit uh for turning this thing around but you know it it was not looking good the city was down on them the whole league had kind of written them off uh injuries suspensions all sorts of stuff was happening on trade rumors now you've got a trade uh, non-stop call-ups. Like, there was a lot of disruption and a lot of negativity. And now that room is filled with positivity and, and excitement as they, as they move ahead. 
Uh, Eric Francis, the franchise, joining us here on the Atlas Beats and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. Big Show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Uh, I got to give credit where credit's due. My man, Matty Rose, pointed this out a little while back. He's in love with the bench management of Ryan Huska. Uh, just gets picks the right guys who are going in the third period. Sits the guys who maybe just aren't having uh, the best nights. What have you thought of the bench management for the new head coach? Yeah, you know, it's, I think some people were surprised that the one of the odd men out on – uh, in their last game was Andrew Mangiapane. And uh, I think, you know, I think it's all part of their master plan. If a guy's not going, let's send him a message that he's got to be better. Not that these guys don't know it oftentimes, but sometimes a, a, a benching will really do it to you. So, uh, yeah, I like that he shortened his bench. You know, Sutter was always known for that. He, he manages the bench as well as anybody. Uh, he was He was brilliant at it. You know, he would often say, though, you could identify first shift in if a guy was going or not that night. I'm not sure that's um, – I don't think it's that simple. But by the time you get to the third period, you sure as heck know which guys are going or, or conversely, which guys aren't going. And I have no problem with a team shortening the bench. As a matter of fact, I'm surprised not every team in the league doesn't shorten their bench in the third period if they're down. Uh, because you got – you know, it's – go with your best. I mean, it's, it's, it's the way it should be on, on every third period, especially when you're down. So yeah, they go, it's uh, you know, I think Mangiapane will bounce back from it. Um, and uh, you know, we move forward. What's your sense around the team after the Zadorov deal? Cause I kind of liked it. Uh, I had the attitude where, you know, don't let the door hit your ass on the way out because you want it out. See you later. I think the, I think Conroy and the flames, would have maybe done that deal even sooner if there was teams with more cap space. I like the fact that, okay, you want to come out, you want to blindside us with this public uh, trade request. See you later. I kind of like that from the Flames, Eric, instead of holding on to that guy when clearly that wasn't well-received within the organization. Yeah, it wasn't. And uh, there were two things at play there. You know, Conroy couldn't immediately just trade him days later. Uh, It would have looked like he's panicking. It also you know, then the, the malcontent wins, you know, I mean, he just, so then, so that if you trade a guy days after he comes in with a inappropriate public trade request, uh, then, then what is the message does it send to the rest of the team? Like, Oh, if I want out, I just go in and, and two days later, I'm gone. Like it doesn't work like that. So they needed to have him sit for two or three weeks, which is exactly what they did. And then they finally said, you know, we got the deal. We got the best deal that we think is possible. And, uh, also, um, I, I do know that in the room, Zadorov was a well-liked guy for, for the years he's been. He was here. But the way he was outspoken this year on a couple different occasions uh, really rankled the rest of the guys. They were tired of his act. They wanted him out. It got to the point where um, I do believe that uh, the players were had kind of let management know, okay, it's time for this guy to get out of here. So uh, I think it all came together at a, at a good time. And, uh, hey, I you know, I – we've talked about it enough. We don't have to get into it anymore, but I, I still shake my head at people who say they didn't get enough of a return. Like, like as if there's a GM in the league who wakes up one day and goes, you know what? I'm going to make a trade for less than I can. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to acquire less than is out there on market value. Yeah. So, I mean, he scoured the league, the league knew for three weeks that this guy wanted to trade and that they were going to trade him. And, and to think that there was a better deal out of there is absolutely asinine, and it just it just goes to speak to you know all the critics out there. Just 
people overvalue players all the time when they watch them all the time. They fall in love with these guys. They like them for different reasons. So Doroff brought an interesting toolbox. There's no question about it. And I think he's going to help Vancouver. And it is a loss for the Calgary players. No question about it. But he's not a first-round draft pick. He's not that good. He's not a second-round draft pick. Uh, what they got for him is market value. And, uh, and it also opens up cap space and allows them to bring up a youngster. And there's so many reasons why this was a good trade. Not an overwhelming trade. It was a good trade. And, and that's the end of that. Yeah, it's crazy how kind of the Blackhawks situation with Hall's injury and Corey Perry's contract terminated led to all this because then they had to take on Beauvillier, then they had the money, and wild how just one domino fell and turned into this. But as a result, like you mentioned, one of the things is we're going to see Ilya Solovyov. Actually, I have one more thing on Nikita Zadorov here because he had mentioned he didn't get offered a contract. That's why he'd asked for the trade. Craig Conroy had mentioned in his avail that he wasn't happy with the ice time that he was getting either. Um, was there talks of a contract extension for Zadorov? Did it hit a wall? What what happened there? No, I, I just I think the organization was definitely in a wait and see mode, and he wasn't a priority. And you know, there are some critics, I guess, who would say, well, you know, at least you should have conversations with him and, and offer him a contract just so that he knows, you know, kind of where the organization stands. But I don't think the organization knew or even knows where it stands right now on on any other three UFAs, you know, particularly. Um, and, and of the four UFAs, he was definitely the, the least important one, the, the guy who plays the, 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 the smallest role. And, and you know, so I, I you know, I, I do think, I guess, ideally in the summer you would have said to him, hey, you know, maybe we can offer you this. But the Calgary Flames in the summer didn't know if Michael Backlund was coming back or let alone the other four UFAs, if you include Zadorov, Five, if you include Oliver Shillington, I mean, you couldn't just throw around contract offers to guys without knowing, without ranking their importance is kind of the way you looked at it. And it was kind of like how with the Johnny Gaudreau situation, you couldn't make a move on anybody else until you knew whether or not you were going to assign Johnny Gaudreau. Same thing. You have an order of operations. God, I hate that because that reminds me of high school math. (laughs) But you, you you do have an order of operations. And quite frankly, Zadorov was at the very bottom of that list. Yeah. So you can't be putting, you know, the cart before the horse. So that's he, he falls victim to that. Crazy to see. Uh, I am fascinated to see what Ilya Solovyov can do now up with the big club again, maybe getting a little bit of a run here. What do you think the organization thinks he's capable of at this point right now? Because it feels like he was the guy Connie was alluding to after the Zadorov trade. Yeah, he was 100% the guy and... Uh, you know, I, I don't think that that means they see him as their number five guy from now to the end of the season. Now it may turn out that way because they may just say we've got to we've got to take a good long hard look at him. You know, he's got size. He doesn't have the physicality. That's the one thing that I think they're hoping he'll up a little bit more, and they've been urging him to do in the AHL. But six three two ten. I mean, the guy's got good enough size. They love his attitude. I think the guys love him. I mean, you guys seen some interviews with him. The guy's hilarious. For a guy who doesn't speak English very well, he, he sure gives it a good try, and he does it with a smile on his face. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you'll see him in the lineup. Uh, I, I want to say with regularity. I think you might see him in the lineup from now to the end of the season. But if you don't, it doesn't mean that they don't think that highly of him. I think they've got so many good options. You know, I was looking at it the other day. Nick DeSimone, I thought, played well when he was, uh, you know, in the lineup. Dennis Gilbert, we know, is the old standby and, and gives you that toughness. Jordan Osterley had a pretty good game the other night. 
you know, uh, Shillington, that's so exciting that he at least took his first step and, and came back to practice. He wasn't practicing yesterday, but I don't think it's prudent to sit there and, and do like a absence report every single day. Uh, and, and then Jeremy Poirier is another guy who this organization loves. He's their top, top prospect on the blue line. He's been hurt. He's probably out for at least another month with a, uh, you know, he, he cut up his arm. But that's a guy who they really want to see probably more than anybody. So Jeremy Poirier will be up with this organization probably a couple of weeks after he returns to the AHL. Um, what's the latest on Jacob Peltier? A couple months. It's still he's still at least a month away. He's uh, he's been skating with the team as has Rooney. They both had shoulder surgery. Uh, they both, you know, I know Peltier's champing at the bit. He wants to get back in earlier. But they're like, look, there is absolutely zero reason to rush this guy back. So they're going to take their time, and then they're going to take some more time. So I, I think that you're probably looking at the end of uh, January mm. is probably a pretty good timeline for a guy like Jacob Pelche. And and there's another exciting addition at some point, you know, not just what the skill set he brings, but the energy, right? The guys love him in the room, and uh, I think they would love to have that back uh, um, they'll definitely love to have that back when the, when the time is right. Uh, I know it's been a while. Uh, do you have something that's irking you or no? <laughs> I hate it. I hate it oh, when you. Oh, oh, do you want? You want yeah, we got a. You got the. You got the. It's that time of the week. Time to find out what's irking Eric right now on the big show. I can't stand it when you're having a lovely morning hot tub. And then you got to go on the radio. Okay. And it, and it interrupts everything. You having a good soak? <laughs> you having a good soak? Yeah, was having a good soak, and then I totally forgot about you guys. It won't happen again. I never forget about you guys because I love you. And oh. hey, are we going to see you down at the dome tonight? I'll be there. Uh, maybe for like forty, probably. I don't know. They still have the buffet. Yep. Roast beef or prime rib. Can't tell you for sure. Okay. You I thought you'd up, have an inside up. track on the menu. What? So use your sources. Come on. Unbelievable. I'll go, I'm go, I'll go down a little earlier today. I'll send you boys a note. I'll find out what it is, and then you can dictate your attendance based on that. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, uh, pal. Uh, what we want to do is do a segment from your hot tub. I think that would be good. <laughs> okay. Next week, if you want. All right. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, Eric. Cheers, boys. All right. Hot segment from Eric's hot tub. You know, you say that I I would do the whole no, show you, from the hot tub <laughs> yeah. in, in a heartbeat. I'd get like nauseous, yeah, you, I'd sweaty. You would be so I'm like good. I don't like you would this. Be able to focus. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, should spend three hours in a hot tub, Maddie. It's not good. What are you, my mom? Come on, <laughs> I can you do get pruny. I'm an adult, so <laughs> I can get pruny. If I want to go, if I want to, you get my organs. Prune hands. Let me the old uh, Mike Myers bit from SNL. Uh, straight ahead. Um, Charles Davis, NFL on CBS. Lots to discuss. Are we going to see Nathan Rourke get a start? What? Because CJ Beathard hurt his uh, hand. I don't like it. His left, his left hand yesterday. Lots to talk about. What was he uh, doing? How did he? And he got hurt when he fumbled the ball. Oh, when he fumbled the ball. No. Yeah. And uh, we're what some was his of these, name again? CJ Beathard, aka CJ Beathard. Okay. Um, a lot of these text messages are awesome too. And he hit his hand on the helmet. That's what he did. No, I think it was when he was falling, trying oh. to hold on to the football. Um, <laughs> when he fumbled it on his first snap, yeah, and yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, Bengals win, yeah. Bengals win. 
No, yeah. And then he got it back, and then they kicked the you yeah. know, field goal and yeah. there we go to overtime. Um, nine sixty nine sixty. Uh, it's day two of our twelve days of Christmas, courtesy for good friends at Wild Rose Brewery. In honor of the Andre Vasilevsky uh, post game scrum last night. Yeah, thank you. Uh, when was the uh, when was the time that you passed gas inappropriately? When's the last time you were testing in the Levi wind tunnel? Nine sixty nine sixty. We'll do those at eight thirty. Uh, some of these stories are <laughs> when great. You were what testing in the Levi wind tunnel? Okay. Uh, nine sixty nine sixty. Uh, Charles Davis, NFL on CBS next. Big Show, Ruskin Rose, Sportsnet nine sixty. The fan.